Hey everyone, hopefully you're great wherever you are today. Uh, my name is Drew, and this is the Fasting Series, a midweek podcast that we're dropping throughout the season of Lent as we prepare for Easter. One of the reasons why we've wanted to do this series is because there's a lot of misconceptions around this idea of fasting. I know as I've talked to a number of people who are journeying with us through this, uh, many people had very similar experiences where basically fasting was a transactional practice. I fast and then I get from God. And we're trying to break down some of those mindsets because there is a whole world around this idea of fasting that is really deep and I think life-changing. And a lot of it doesn't have to do with transactional theology. And so the goal of this has really just been to share what fasting is and then why in a world filled with excess, especially in the Western world, why we would do this as followers of Jesus. And so far we've seen this, and you can listen back. Actually, we do encourage you to listen back. Just follow the Praxis podcast feed and uh, prior weeks are there. But one of the things we did in early on is just really lay a foundation as far as what fasting is. And fasting has to do with food and water. It's abstaining from food and water for a specific or extended period of time. And so we've been encouraging people to kind of journey into this and practice this. For the first century Jewish community, it was typically a 12-hour fast from sundown, or sorry, sun up in the morning to sundown, or a 24-hour fast where many would enter in and they would eat a meal uh, at sundown and then not eat till the following day at sundown. Whatever you do, we're just encouraging people to practice this as a rhythm, more than just um, uh, doing things when you need, doing this practice when you need something. We're encouraging people to do this as a rhythm in their lives. At any rate, we've been talking about reasons why we would do this. Why would we fast? A couple weeks ago, we looked at how fasting is really an act of whole body worship, that the Jesus community and people who follow God have always been people that don't just worship with their minds, but worship with their entire bodies. So we see this in corporate worship when we gather together. And one of the things that fasting does is it draws our body into worship. We reject this idea this very Platonic Greek philosophical idea that often separated body and soul. We say, and I think it's really important to understand, that you are a body. It's not that you just have a body, but you are a body. To be fully human involves your body. And we also believe that at resurrection, when heaven comes to earth and Jesus comes to judge the living and the dead, we will be given a resurrected body. Um, certainly, if you were to die today, your soul would be with Jesus. But uh, there's this telos in the story, this end goal of our soul and our resurrected body being put back together. And I actually, we think that shapes our, our worship and it shapes our spiritual practice. And fasting is one thing that we enter in as whole body worship. Then we talked about, last week we talked about fasting as a discipline against sinful desires. And just the reality that if we could fast and abstain from things like food and water over periods of time, one of the things it does is it builds our spirit so that in times of temptation and when sinful desires come against us, which we all face, obviously, as humans in a broken world, part of our practice of fasting would enable us in a spiritual sense to be able to resist temptation. Now today what we're going to do is we're just going to take a couple minutes, it's going to be really quick, and we're going to talk about fasting as a response to a sacred or grievous moment.
that fasting is actually something we're drawn into in response to something. You know, one of the things that we do when we experience bad things is we join in in the grief of God. Now, I, I would imagine everybody listening to this, you've had to walk with somebody who's gone through something horrible, or maybe you're listening and that's you, where you've gone through difficulty or heartbreaking things. You know, it's, it's important for, especially if you're a part of a community or a family, to grieve with people well. But Scott McKnight puts it best in his book, Fasting, that one of the things that Israel always did is they fasted in response to things, and especially when there were bad things that happened in the community. When there were grievous moments or sacred things that happened, this was actually the moment and the time when the community would fast together. And I think we actually need to like really take this on. If the church, in its current context, is a family, then fasting is best practiced certainly in rhythms, and we're trying to build that. We're trying to push people to, in the best sense, push people to practice the uh, practice fasting regularly. But I also think when there's grievous things that happen in the community, there should be, I think, a call to fast as we join in. We're drawn in to the grief of God. We're join in, we join in not just with our minds and grieving with people, but we actually come alongside and we grieve with them with our bodies and we join in in fasting. And I think this is actually a natural response when you think about it. I mean, think about it. When somebody dies or a relationship ends or there's something that, you know, maybe it's relationally or something bad happens in your family or your community, what's your automatic response? What do you not want to do? You don't want to eat, right? And I think this is part of it. Fasting is one of the best things to do to join in in grieving with others, in grieving with the church, in grieving with community, and ultimately it, 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 it partners us in grieving with God. I mean, if we don't think God is grieving when people go through horrific things or experiences that are heartbreaking, then I think we're missing the point. One of the things that fasting does is when there's this awareness of grief within a community that we join him. And one of the things that we could do is we could join him by fasting. And this is what I continually see in my own life and experience in community, especially. It's really hard to do this if you're not a part of a community. But I'll say this. One of the things we've learned in walking with people is, you know, part of being a part of being a part of a community is grieving with others. And this is why this whole transactional idea of fasting has really been obliterated in my whole theology. Um, certainly we can come to God for things and ask him, and I think that's beautiful and, and wonderful, and I think we should do that. But I think a big part of fasting is walking alongside each other and responding to sacred or grievous moments. And so, you know, when people tell us that they're fasting, a lot of times we want to ask the question, you know, what do you want to get out of this? And I, as I grow more in God, I'm seeing that that is less and less the point. It's not about what I want to get out of this. It's more, and I think Scott McKnight, again, puts it best. I know we've been using his book a bit. He puts it best. We should just ask the question when people say they're fasting, oh, what are you fasting in response to? In response of what? What are you fasting in response of? Because this is part of how it is. It's not as much transactional as it is responsive. And so we're big on creating these weekly rhythms and regular, whatever that looks like for you. We want to 
uh, encourage people to fast regularly and especially in connection to some of the other reasons why we're saying fasting is important and why we would do it. But I also think this is a big one. When there's hurt, when there's pain, when there's heartbreak in a community or a family, one of the best things that we can do to enter into that grief is to fast and to come to God and to abstain from food or water for extended periods of time. And I believe these things in church and in life and in family are actually responses. And so, brothers and sisters, this may be unique. Maybe you've never heard of this. This is kind of new for me. But as you look at the story of Israel, you begin to see that this is how they live this out. And so if you're a part of a community, we encourage you uh, when things, when there's grief in the community, to join in on that grief and to join God in that grief by fasting and abstaining from food and water. And I pray, our prayer is that as we develop this and as we join in with others, that God would bring hope and healing. But it would also almost be a sense where we're joining in and standing with our brothers and sisters who are going through deep heartbreak. And so, yes, there's the rhythm, and we do encourage you guys to practice this regularly, but there's also these moments that we need to be looking for uh, when the community is hurting to join in, not just with our mind, again, not just with our minds. And there's some great things that happen when there's grief in a community. I'm a part of a community and a church that is very great at helping others and walking alongside each other. We do a lot of meals, which is amazing. But what about this idea of fasting and joining in the grief of God? Something to think about, my friends. Hopefully you have an amazing week. We're going to continue this discussion further. We have a few more weeks up into Easter as we prepare our hearts and our lives for Easter. And the hope is is that as we uh, kind of journey into Easter over the next few weeks, we'd continue to look deeper at why fasting could be this practice that we join in on on a regular basis. Until then, my friends, have an amazing week.